Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam and I'm here with my co-host Grant. Hello there, music fans. And George. Hello there, music lovers. Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless and we talk about how they discovered it, why they love it, and at the end we decide if we agree that it is flawless. We have a Facebook group. It's called Flawless Friends and Family. Uh, you can find the link to that in our show notes. We post in there in advance about what episodes, what albums we're going to be covering. And yeah, people share their favorite episodes and their favorite albums as well. So you can find the link to that in our show notes. You can also judge us harshly on our decisions yes. in that group. Everybody else does. This is like the stories that we yes. were telling before we started this recording. Everyone else judges. So we well, might as one well... person in particular, but... You know. Yeah, it's always fucking Liam. Yeah, well, I didn't say that, but you went there. <laughs> uh, and of course, we have a Patreon. You can back us there from as little as $1 a month. And when you do, you get access to our bonus episodes and also early access to the episode. So check out the link in the show notes for that one as well. So as you might have guessed, I'm hosting today's episode and I am nominating the album. And it has been a bit of a long time coming. And we will talk about why that is as well. But... Today, I'm nominating the second studio album by Australian band and my favourite band, Something for Kate, called Beautiful Sharks. Pick the wrong time to be looking up at the night Popular belief came down, destroyed his house and claimed his side Forwards and lockstep early He killed the cat He's buried alongside Every great mind we never had Finally, he uh, does it How exciting a night is it? Exciting oh, yeah. for everybody I, sure. I am How long has the podcast been on for? Over now? three, three years. years Yep, over yeah. three years 80 plus, 90 plus 90 plus episodes yeah, we're, in, we're in the mid-90s at the moment yep. And um and Liam has walked to the line. You know what? I should have made this episode 100 really get people tantalizingly on one episode. Because I don't have any ideas for what episode 100 will be. It yet, needs to be so. special. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think it's sure? go- I don't think it's going to be because we've got like four guests lined up like to do in the next three weeks. Uh, so well, maybe, be, maybe we need to think about, oh, oh, we can delay that one and we have our own one. Mm. Um, just the three of us. Maybe it's a super group. Maybe it's yeah, a super band. Maybe we can do one of those super band episodes. That we've yep. spoken to. Mm-hmm. But this is, so this is awesome for a number of reasons. Oh, um, yes. Because <sighs> this band, Something for Kate, have probably been referenced in about 70% of our Over episodes third, at some def- point. Definitely not that many. But yes, yeah, I, do, like, yeah. oh, I do reference them quite a bit. And yeah. um, Liam has a Paul Dempsey tattoo. I yes! do have a Paul Dempsey slash something for Kate tattoo on my inner right arm. Was it your first one at that? It, that was my first tattoo and for a long time my only one. So something for Kate took your virginity? My tattoo virginity, yes. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> that's Not your actual because that would be awkward. No, that would be awkward. Well, that's a whole conversation on itself. And you'd prefer Stephanie over Dempsey anyway. Well, if you? you say something for Kate took it, that's all three of them. And I'm not sure all three of them really, really drew really that. swing that way. No, no, so Paul, we're still talking about sex, Grant. Oh, no, we're, sorry. Still talking about sex. Come on, Grant. The design was done by Paul, yes. Awesome. Okay, so um, you have declared something for King as your favourite band. Mm -hmm. Unashamedly. Unashamedly. Multiple times. For a long time. Yeah. um, But it's taking you this many episodes to bring an album. It has. So, (laughs) um, what on earth would that be, Liam? So... 
there are multiple albums of theirs that I would very easily be able to make the case for. And so I had a bit of trouble picking which one I was going to bring. Could be their first one because it's their debut album and I like people listening to stuff in chronological order. So I know you guys haven't necessarily been seeking out something for Kate stuff to listen to and because you knew I'd be nominating it eventually. Mm-hmm. So I was like, do I start you on the first one? Do I start you on the one that I listened to first? Do I start you on the one that's their most accessible and most popular one? Do I start you on the one that I love the most, but mostly because of how it works in relation to all their previous stuff? So there's all these different things. And we have a rule around the podcast that we can only do one album per band unless there are special circumstances. So Which we haven't defined yet either. Have Not you ever circ- considered that you've been overthinking? I was going to say that. And it was <laughs> that exact point that made me decide, no, just fucking lock down on an album and just fucking do it. <laughs> so that's why we've done some, that's why we're doing an album tonight because I'm I because for this. I got sick of it and the longer it went, the more pressure I put on myself. Sure. And then Jordan, you'd said a couple of times that you'd almost actively avoided listening to them because I you had. knew eventually I was going to really? do it and I'm like genuinely I've avoided listening to something for Kate because I didn't want to have preconceived ideas mm. based on what I listened to because sure. I knew that it was a really big deal for them. So I've been oh, waiting no. for three fucking years. It's <laughs> a long to time. An album. Yeah. And, like, and I've se- we've seen that. I've seen the tattoo. For three, I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. for three years. You've yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's um, why I've locked it. I'm just like, just pick the one. If there's a case to be made for all of them, then just pick one and make the case. And that's what I've done. And you picked Beautiful Sharks. I did pick Beautiful Sharks. From 99. Mm. Good year. So Vintage. The re- I did say, yeah, I do like to try and, in music and in all things, I like to try and do it chronologically to try and listen to albums, you know, the way that the bands release them. Sure. But the reason I went for this album yes. is because this was my first Something for Kate album. Oh. Right. And, I thought, and I've got more story about this so one this than I do about the other ones. So this your cherry on Something for Kate yes. as well. <laughs> So actually, this was... Levels on levels. Mm. So I had not heard any of their albums before the first time I saw them live. So I was at Big Day Out 2000, so six months after this one came out. and On the Gold Coast. On the Gold Coast, yep. And I was... There What's was it, the, Palm? What's it? Whereabouts? What's it called? What's the suburb? I don't... Park yeah. Lake yeah, Park, Park something. Mm. Parkings. Yeah, Park. Yeah, and the Gold the Coast Parklands. The Gold yep. Coast Parkings. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I cannot remember why I was up at the stage because they weren't on the main stage. They played a back, not, you know, all the way up the back tucked away or anything, but they weren't on the main stages. They were off in a backstage. There you were. were. And for some reason I was there and they played and it blew my mind, obviously. But the thing that happened was, because this was right around the time that I started also buying a lot of music. So I needed three songs on an album. If I heard three songs on the radio from an album that I liked, I was like, yep, that's it. I'm in. Electricity was the first single. Loved it. Killed it. Amazing. Hallways and whatever you want were actually sort of like released. It says they were released a couple of months apart, but they were on the radio at the same time. And for whatever reason, I thought they were the same song. Whenever I heard them play it, I was like, oh yeah, that's that song. And this was the time I saw them live and realized they were actually two separate different songs. And that gave me three. And I was like, all right, there's your three songs and I'm done. Went home, bought the album, fell in love with it, and then just went from there. And for the young folks, the album back then would have been a compact disc. It was on a compact disc, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Good. then the fourth one was The Astronaut. Yes. The yeah. single. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so you saw them first. Yes. You'd heard them like on Triple J or whatever. Yeah, so I'd heard a little bit. Um, so their singles off the first album did quite well as well. So Captain and Working Against Me 
were quite popular and I'd heard them and seen their film clips and stuff like that, which was really interesting. But I hadn't locked down on yet this is a band I should be paying attention to and following and buying albums for until I saw them. And also Paul Travers, ex um, guest here on the podcast. Mm. I randomly ran into him and some people that he was with in the at the big day at the big day in the in the because it was in inside a tent, and the way they were playing back then, they had almost a mosh pit. Like there was lots of good rock and energy inside the mm. tent, and I sort of ran into him randomly inside that tent, and we were like, "This was a, this is a great show. This is really good." No Midori and Lemon, was it? Midori and Lemonade, no, no, no. <laughs> Interesting. not at that time. No. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. So hey. that was your your coming into something for Kate's story, mm-hmm. which is lovely. And then I went back and bought their. So they had an album First before album. that. Yeah. And then before that, they had an EP. They had some EPs and singles. And then they'd put out a compilation of like their first EP and their first single. And I bought that. And that was the first time that I ever remember putting something on and lying down on a bed and listening to it. Like just solely focusing on that. You are never... How's you, the man crush? You'd be a terrible teenage girl because that's what we all do. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, it wasn't until I was about 21 when I did it for the first time, but I did it. That was the so, first time. There's the quote. And now I basically do it to all their, for all their albums. So well. for me, like I've been actively avoiding something for Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I didn't know what they look like. I didn't know anything. Um, Paul Dempsey is a babe. Yes. He is like seriously 10 out of 10 fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like like for a moody Huge, guy. Yeah. Like a moody, guitar guy. Mm-hmm. He is like one right up there. sexy dude. Yeah. He is like Hollywood hot. Um, and I only found that out today when I was doing a whole bunch of like research and stuff. And I was just like, why have I been avoiding <laughs> this guy? <laughs> like, gosh, he so, is a babe. Um, then when you see him live, he's also sweet and disarming. He's one of those guys. Oh, Stop no. it. He doesn't. It's almost like he doesn't understand why he's so pop, why they're so popular. For him, they're just fucking around and three mates doing stuff. And it's like, you know, thanks for coming along and caring for us. But I find it really weird that people come along and fill fill huge venues and love to see us play because, you know, he's just that. There's like zero rock star in him at all. Do you know what disappointed me the most? Oh, what was that? He married Stephanie. He did. He and Stephanie are the married. Bassist still in yeah, two thousand six. Yeah. Yep, they got so, married, and yeah. I'm like, like, so seven years after the record came out, they got married, and I was just like, well, you're not the solo, broody, sexy guy yeah, anymore. You could be. Could have been. Yeah. So, members so of the talk- band, yeah. Paul Dempsey, Stephanie Ashworth on bass, and then Clint Heinemann on drums. So, Paul and Clint were childhood high school friends, and yeah. then after they, so they, there was a oh, guy Did they named- play together earlier? Uh, no, this was their first that I know of. This was their first band, but their their first album came out when they were like nineteen, twenty. Like so, they, this was quite early for them and young for them. And then the guy who played bass on that, Julian, left the band, and they had another guy step in for a little while, and then he didn't work out. So they had um, Stephanie come in, and she was in a band called Sandpit, and she jumped across to be in something for Kate. And then they've been, and then married Paul Dempsey. So then and then married Paul Dempsey, and they've got so they don't. <sighs> They don't talk about their personal life at all in interviews. Like it's not like it's just one of those unspoken sure. things that you just, just don't talk to them about. You know how Stephanie doing or how like it's just like they're just there to talk about the music. They don't, you know, they don't hug and kiss and do stuff on stage like you see a lot of couples and stuff do. They might do a little kiss at the end or something like that. No, they just they're just three musicians when they're on stage. But yeah, they are married and they have two kids. How many times have you seen them? 
Okay. <laughs> this is a great question. Oh, no, this is like my best episode. That becomes an interesting question. Mm-hmm. So, you have something for Kate, the three-piece band. A little bit after this album came out, Paul started playing shows as Paul Dempsey solo. So he would play something for Kate songs, but just with an acoustic guitar, just him, because he's the main songwriter behind the band. Mm-hmm. So he would just write, play those songs. Then he got a solo band together. So he wrote two albums of solo material that he played all the instruments on himself, but then he put us a, a touring band together to play that as well. Plus he's done tours where he just plays covers. So he released a covers EP and toured that. If you put all of those together, I think I've seen them at least 50 times. 50? Yeah. Five and a oh. Five and zero, at least. If all three of those, possibly up to maybe 30 from, times. From 2000 to 21. Mm-hmm. Possibly My partner has times. not even been to 50 gigs in his, in his life. life. Mm-hmm. And he is 55. Yeah. So 2014, yep, yeah, seven years ago, they played, they did a 20th anniversary tour. And they played Brisbane and they played a bunch of shows and then they did three nights at the Forum down in Melbourne in a row. And I went down and saw all three of those shows in a row. So I saw them four times in a week. So you denied other Something for Kate fans a mm-hmm. ticket just so you could see That's them what I heard. three yeah. times in a row. Do you ever think yeah. that you're being selfish about this? Not really. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, only like 12 months or so ago I found a Facebook group that's devoted to Something for Kate fans and it's up until that point I would have said that I don't think there was anyone at a similar level to me, but they're all like at yeah, my there level are above a few. even. But okay. yeah, and above even. Yeah. So do you play any instruments? Um, I taught. No, I didn't taught, teach myself. I played the drums for a little while, mm-hmm. and as I was doing music lessons, they said, "Oh, the best way to learn stuff is for us to just pick a song, and you can and teach you how to do it and do the little parts in it." And I did something for Kate's Captain, so now how to play the opening. Mm-hmm. Of their one of their most popular songs. Of course you do. Yeah, mm. it was great fun. So so let's um. This is so good. This is this is. I'm this okay is if you guys awesome. just keep throwing questions at me. We yeah, can do sure. That. We can do that forever. That yeah, works. look, and I'm um, I'm happy to do that. This is adorable. Can, uh, this but is, they so, so talk to me about this. When, when did this happen? So the other thing I was going to quickly say is they're touring later this year, and in 2021. Mm-hmm. So they're playing. So the album after this, their third one, was their most popular one and the most accessible. And that's their twenty it's their twentieth anniversary of that release of that album this year. So they're playing that and they're doing two shows in Brisbane and I'm going to both of those. So they do they're doing two sets in the show. So the first set is that album in full. Yeah. And then the second set is from their album they did last year. Which okay. they haven't had a chance to tour yet. And maybe so. they'll invite us to sit backstage with them if they want. Maybe they definitely can. I I, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. But we, we haven't bought the so George and I don't have tickets yet. We're happy to join if the guys, the band's I'm only really. happy with divorced lead singers. Sure. Sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about, and I'm, I'm signaling my, tattoo, my the the right forearm. Yeah. So I think I, I should have written when down and when how? I, probably no. about five years ago, I got the tattoo. Only that? Only five years yeah, ago? Yeah, I, I haven't had it a long time. Wow. It, it got to a point where I was like, the only thing stopping me from getting any tattoos is I'm not a tattoo person. And... If I get a tattoo, then I am a tattoo person. Like you the, are a tattoo person. Yeah, I am. So that's like, I'm not a tattoo person. Doesn't really mean anything. I'm looking down at my body, going, yeah. I have like thirty five hours a tattoo worth person. of tattoos. You should just get a tattoo, Grant. I could. Then you but are where a do I go? Do, it's I, really do, easy. I, do I do the versus cover? I mean, yeah. like, where do I go? <laughs> I mean, but the thing about the tattoos is, like, 
like I got something that was made by someone who represents something that I, uh, a musical and creative person that I really love. And I can talk more about that in a second as well. <laughs> <laughs> so good. But you've got to be certain that they're a good person. Because if, if it turns out five years down the line that... Like, but it's so, still you could. could. You could do... Yes, but I've been following them for so long and read so many interviews and interviewed them myself and done all this stuff. I'm 100% confident that it will never turn out that Paul Dempsey is like secretly a sexual assault person. So how many times have you interviewed them and has it always oh, been over the phone? George. It has always been over the phone. Paul twice and Stephanie once. Awesome. And that was for Faster Louder? Um, the first two times were for Fast Ladder and then one time after that was for a, a different street press called Time Out. But I, and, like, broke the news. Um, the first time I ever interviewed them was after um, they were about to tour an album called Desert Lights and it was after they put that album out that Paul did his first solo album. And when I spoke to Stephanie, I said, hey, what's, you know, what else have you guys got coming up? And she said, oh, Paul's working on his solo album which hadn't been announced at that point. So I broke the news. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you did. And, yes, then, you and did. then like two months, so I must have interviewed it for the album or might have been for the tour and then I interviewed them again for another tour or something else a couple of months later. And I spoke to Paul and I said, oh, so last time I spoke, Stephanie said you were working on your solo album. And he's like, oh, she did, did she? So obviously he wasn't supposed to. So <laughs> wasn't by that stage, it was too late. We were off to the races. So how, on the level of one to ten, mm -hmm. how much piss was in your pants when you were interviewing them? More than oh. ten. More than ten. I was wow. absolutely petrified. You know, like, I'm always a little nervous doing interviews anyway, but this just, and the one I did with Paul, I opened with, so how's the weather where you are? Because I just, my brain just shut down when he got on the phone. <laughs> How's the so, weather, yeah, I could Grandma? Not, yeah, did you, I reckon, could not did you feel like it was a chore for him, or he was super present and cool? He was no, he was super present and talking really friendly and everything. I think he's like, I would have to guess that he treats it as a he lot of the musicians the I talk to is like it's it's just part of the career that I've sure. chosen of being a musician. It's you know not maybe everybody's favorite thing to do, but maybe not his favorite thing to do. But he, yeah, jumps it's on. Surprise you, Pat. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, yeah, no, he was super awesome. Okay, and so was Stephanie. So uh, you yes. are a super fan, mm -hmm. let's say. And do you have a Something for Kate poster in your home? Yes. Oh, how many? Do you, many, probably about five or six. Yeah. Framed? No, only the or maybe two of them are framed. And one of them is framed and signed by the cool. three of them. So they... Wait, you, how, were you there when they signed it? No, it was one of those, one of those deals where you pre-order the album and okay. you get it signed. So um, actually to go back to the Echolalia tour, as well as doing the tour, they're releasing it on vinyl for the first time and pre-ordering it gets a signed copy, a signed placard thing inside there. So okay, so more signed stuff on the way. Does your wife share your enthusiasm oh, for this band? Not to my level, because obviously it would be hard to do that. But I've dragged her now to enough something for Kate gigs because every time we go, we go together. So how many has she, would she have attended? Love like, she would have done almost all the ones that I have. Like made. 40 plus. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, she would have seen him. Certainly since, you know, we've been together, she would have gone every time I've gone. And so, yeah, so she'd be... And I, I would imagine now, just by dint of me dragging her to them, we're not dragging him like she doesn't like it, but just she wouldn't necessarily seek it out every time on her own. It would be the band she's seen the most number of times as well. Not necessarily by choice, but because she loves you so dearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and now, but now <laughs> she loves it. So sometimes we'll be playing albums and... She'll be singing along to them in the car and stuff sure. like that as well. well so it's it's not that she's... How many albums have they released? So the one they released last year was their seventh album. 
just hammered with questions. It's Seventh like, album, but yes. they've been around since like '97. Yeah. So once they, so this stage when they were in the late '90s, they were doing one every two years, and then after that, once they got married and had kids and started having longer breaks between albums, and then they were having sort of a, a two to three year break and then he'd put out a solo album and then a two to three sure. year break and then they'd do an album together. Okay. So we're going to talk about your, eventually, um, the album that you've nominated, mm-hmm. which was your influence in My introduction. Some, your introduction into yep. something for Kate. Mm-hmm. But if somebody had never heard them before, which album would you recommend? So this is because I was had to pick this album for you guys. The one after this, Echo Lalia, is easily their most accessible album. So if you really, if you're really not sure if you're going to like them that much, and you want to just sample it, I one. would say go for Echo no Lalia. Echo Lalia, so, the so next yeah, one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so what makes it more accessible than Beautiful Sharks? Yeah, what are, like um, I think the I guess the song construction and the and the instrumentation is just a little bit more straightforward. Like mm-hmm. there's a bit more verse, chorus, verse, chorus than there is on this album. And I think it's, yeah, just... Straight 180. The patterns, almost, yeah. There's still a few that do play around a a little bit. not a bad thing. No, but not not as much as, um, yeah. But this one spoke to you more. So I love Echolalia, but it also has a thing that I really don't like, which is I don't like a lot of songs about from musicians about how white-collar people are terrible about how office workers are bad and it's strangling you and that sort of stuff. Because you are an office worker. Because I'm an office worker. (laughs) And the only way that I've been able to support any of the bands that I've been able to to the level that I have has been because I was an office worker worker and a white-collar worker. What a dichotomy. Yeah. So it's... And so I I don't mind the occasional one, but there's like four songs on that album that are about, you know, get out of the office life. You you spend all this time trying to climb the corporate ladder and it doesn't mean anything and you've got to break away and... That sort of thing. Okay. So it's not that I feel like he's they're super aggressive about it, but there's just a lot of it on that album which sort of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. So, but uh, musically, it's more accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, so oh, Liam, good man. No, I appreciate that. My, abs- my absolute favorite album of theirs is Desert Lights, which was their fifth album. But it it works in a way that it, you've got to know what came before it and how they sure. sort of build up built up to it. So. I didn't want to necessarily bring that one to you guys, knowing that it was going to be the first time you were listening to stuff to some of Kate. First time I heard him, mate. So, all right. So, I'll ask you guys a question for a change. We'll start with Grant. First, first impressions. Don't worry about song title or going too deep on it. But what was your very familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, so, ninety nine um, had never heard of them, save for the for the man crush and the <laughs> you know, relatively constant repetitions of, of something for Kate <laughs> in previous episodes. Never heard him, but um, instantly familiar with the type of music that I was listening to around mm-hmm. that time. So um, I suppose a lot of comfort around, oh, geez, man, these acts. I, I, I know a lot of, the, uh, if I hadn't heard it, elements of a lot of what I'd heard before. Mm. Um, and I liked it but from that aspect. Absolutely. Cool. cool. Yeah. George. Okay. First so impressions. First impressions were, um, so with whatever you want, the opening track, I was like, this is a breathy, 90s, Aussie, grungy, indie rock band. Mm-hmm. And, and it fits the mold of exactly what Australia loved at the time that ne- didn't translate as much overseas, um, but was very much an Australian thing. Yeah. And I say that as somebody that um, owned a Powderfinger album, but only because I had a friend who um, 
lived in Australia part of the year because of custody um, and lived wow. in England part of the year. So she brought like Powderfinger and bands yes. like that over um, to the UK. So it was very much like, to me, it was like, this is exactly typical of like that Aussie grungy indie kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, Post-silver chair. Yeah, post silver. I was going to say post silver chair because silver chair broke the mold eventually and went all orchestral and weird. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas, um, but then like five, this album came out like five years after that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like they were Frog saying, Stomp was that one, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Frog Stomp, that was like 94, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, but by the time they came out, it was like Neon Ballroom, that was like 97 or something. Um, so, yeah, it was like, it was definitely, it fit the mold of being an Aussie grungy, like punky indie band. And even down to the fact that Paul Dempsey has exactly the right voice for an Aussie grungy band mm-hmm. so he sounds sure. exactly like it and yeah. like <clears throat> if you never if you didn't give me the um title if I had no precursor to who they were um and you just played it to me I would say they're probably from Melbourne um and they are probably from the Without late the nationality uh, I, I'd just be like, they're Melbourne, really? late 90s, okay. Melbourne, blah, blah, blah. And then um, researching them, I was like, yep, nailed it. So, Done. Yeah, it was awesome. And even down to the fact they got Glenn Richards, who's a solo artist, um, who has also been in Augie March, the band, and doing the backing vocals on Whatever You Want. Mm. Um, he's also like a Melbourne icon. Yeah, so he's much, much bigger in Augie March. So he's done a couple of solo things, but... Augie March is the thing that he's known for, but yeah. Yeah. He's so, a Mel- another Melbourne musician. Yeah. So it made perfect sense. It mm-hmm. was just like, yeah, it was like uh, Melbourne. Like, they definitely sound like, and I'm not going to lie, I listen to um, GRI punk bands from Australia right now, and I can go Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I could just pick up the Melbourne. I don't know if it's because it rains a lot or what. I don't mm-hmm. know. But uh, for some oh, reason, you yeah, can pick out. Rains yeah. a lot. Nice, like cold leaf, and then like leafy streets and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's like a tendre to mm-hmm. um, a oh. Melbourneian sound. So um, yeah, so that was my first impression. Cool. It was that. It was like exactly that. I was back in the nineties, but I was surprised it came out in ninety nine because to me it feels more like ninety six. Yeah. So their first album, Elsewhere for Eight Minutes, is super grungy. Like okay. that's, that's yeah, that's you can definitely feel like oh yeah, this Paul because. Paul would have written that when he was in his late teens or like, you know, 1918, 1920. He would have spent his teens then listening to Nirvana and those guys tearing up the radio and then taken that and then pushed it through an Australian lens. But Paul, Stephanie, Clint, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They really know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, they know where to put sound and they know where to put space Mm -hmm. and that's what came across in my first listening to the album i was like okay there was space where there needed to be and then there was like grungy sounds and then there was like all sorts of like um influences and stuff but a um it came across very much like clint i thought was an incredible drummer Mm -hmm. on this record yeah. um, for being a, an awkward second album. I thought that was really, really awesome. Challenge second album. Uh, oh, oh mm-hmm. definitely. And then I was really impressed with Stephanie because the bass lines don't follow the entire no. song. 
Mm-hmm. Like sometimes a bass line plays a bar and then stops for a bar and then plays a bar and stops for a bar and then joins the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting way of like playing an instrument and joining in the music. And then the guitar has so many different layers and elements to it that um, it um, there was layers of guitar in there as well that I was just really impressed with Paul's playing. Um, and then um, the one thing that carried the whole thing through was his vocals. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. I think his vocals were consistent. Like, like there's lifts and drops, but um, yeah, I was very impressed with the musicianship of this album. Cool. Speaking of Stephanie, so she always wears full-length dresses when she plays. She's always barefoot. One of the things the band is known for is that Steph always plays barefoot. She wears the bass quite low, so she sort of, and then she sort of leans back and does a lot of sort of playing and dancing with it, like a new metaler. Mm-hmm. And she never sings. She's never had a mic in front of her at all. I've, that, of but all the times that I've seen her, harmonies. Yeah, but and then they and they use female Sometimes. harmonies on other some of Kate albums as well, even more so. And they always bring in people. It's always other people doing. Because she just does, like, it's just not, she's like, nope, I stand here and I play bass really That's awesomely. Um, while they were recording this album, they were, they recorded it in Japan and the US. And while they were in the US, Courtney Love asked Stephanie to join Hole. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which wow, I think eh? I was trying a story I was going to try and tell you guys once before, but I said, no, I'll save it for the Something of Kate episode. I love but, yeah. the execution. So instead so they, of Melissa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it could have been, and they sort of said, you know, you're amazing. Come over and, and join us instead. Um, but she said she turned it down because she liked the kind of music that Sammy Kate were making better. Uh, well, that was a financial uh, decision, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> so the singles? So the singles were Electricity. Yep. You can tell right off the bat that's like sure. a big single. That's, yep. The double tick a, yeah, good of choice. Bronte's mm-hmm. approval. Good so yeah, so electricity was one of the they ones. Like five, weren't they? Paul actually said um, he wouldn't have chosen it. Electricity has been one of their big singles. Yeah, and he said he wouldn't have chosen it as a single. Wow! But he also said that he famously to himself has a bad ear for what would work as a single. Like he's always like, oh, I think we could do this other thing in it. But yeah, it's just huge. And then hallways. Big yeah. car, and then hallways sure. and whatever you want. Really which good. yeah, up until I saw, until I'd done the research, I actually thought it was a double A-sided single. I thought they'd been released together, but yeah, separate singles. And then the astronaut, which is funny because they have four singles and they front-loaded them at the beginning of the album. Mm-hmm. Because the astronaut's like number six, and all the singles are up to um, number six. But we run into twelve tracks. Yep. So they front loaded the front loaded the singles. Mm. Whether that was their decision or the decision of the marketing team and all that kind of jazz, you know, never know. Um, but it runs at like fifty minutes as well for yeah. like a grungy band. Yeah, so it's not a super short album. The back half has got like yeah, they're all over four and a half minutes. The back half, like it's sort of, I think where you're talking about that idea of looking for space is like they weren't. Some of the songs aren't just like here's a riff and here's a, a motif and we're just going to get it, the riff and the motif done. It's more sort of exploring that space and figuring out how it's all going to work. And it got to number ten in the Aria Australian it did. music charts, mm-hmm. which is mm. pretty awesome. And yeah. it, but weirdly, um, despite coming out in June '99, it was nominated for Best Alternative Album in the Aria Awards in 2001. Yeah, so the wow. Aria Awards are quite famous for. Like, Slow. So this is so this is when the singles came out, but they probably wouldn't have got as much radio play until more closer into two thousand. So Triple J played them a lot, and then the radio would have picked them up and played them a bit after that, and that's why Aria would have picked them up. 
after that. Like two years later, they got, mm. yeah. Yeah, so the ARIA Awards for 2001 are discussing the stuff that happened in 2000. I think it's like the Academy. I think it's like the Academy. I think it's like the Academy Awards sort of thing. Fair. Okay. So, Liam. Yes. Do you have favorites? I do have so many favorites. I love everything that's on this album. Sure. Um, Well, let's keep the episode to an hour, shall we? We will definitely do that. Mm -hmm. So, well, let's start at the start with whatever you want because it's Mm -hmm. got one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Was a Foo Fighters intro. Yeah, very, grungy lo-fi. Very Foo Fighters intro, but also just mid-tempo. Like it, it's sure. not, it's not heavy rocking. It's you know, it just comes in, um, and yeah, it's just like this solid mid-tempo open. It doesn't necessarily like smash you in the face right at the start. It's sort of just like an ease it, ease it in gently. And there's ooze. Mm-hmm. There are ooze. Yes, Paul we, likes to ooze himself. I like an ooze. Mm-hmm. Yep, we carry and on. Then, like an ooze. Because the other thing that they do too is usually when they play, almost always when they play, there's a fourth person on stage with them and that person okay. rotates around different people over the years. And so if Paul's meant to be singing while there's an ooh, the backing person will do the ooh. Sure. And, and you would know we'll this. have extra layers of guitars and keys and that sort of stuff. So Fair. just quick flag. Remember I nominated Sidewinder? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Pip Branson from the band Sidewinder was their fourth member for a couple okay. of years on, on a tour, on cool. various tours. Cool. And it was really cool because he played the violin. And they've got a song on their first album called Like Bank Robbers, which has violin, and they can't normally play the violin parts because they don't, their touring don't have a violin. But, but this has got strings yeah. in slow dance. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they would have done various things. But, yeah. So on, what were the lyrics in Whatever You Want? So the thing I love about Whatever You Want is... Lyric twins. So yeah, so that idea of like if you're standing on a cliff and you're about to jump. Do you know what it reminded me of? What's that? It's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, he's it... on the bridge and he's about to jump and the angel comes down and he talks to him and turns his whole world around mm. and it becomes It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And that's immediately what came to mind with those lyrics. I thought it was so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, just that idea. And not and not like it's okay for me to jump because on the way down an angel will appear and give me a chance to take it back. Like no, no, if you're gonna go, you you know that's yeah, not gonna yeah. happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, so waste to start an album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Second album, awkward. Let's just remember that so, jumping is final. Mm, but just like there's nothing. So this first album, people commented on this is like from the first album, which was so a lot heavier and a lot grungier, and the first the opening song on the first album is just wailing guitars like and smashing drums right from the side it's like a big explosion right in the face so then to change that up and go okay well that worked for us because they were you know their first album did reasonably well and mm-hmm. just go well we're going to try something completely different spoke to, i think to the real confidence of what they were doing and how it was all going to work and it leads into hallways which mm-hmm. is their second single which mm. i really enjoyed mm. and that's a much quicker pace Yes, yeah. So that's up there with the speed of electricity. So that's back into their sort of grungier, absolutely um, quicker and faster like, stuff. And there's a really big chorus. Um, I love the vocal effects that we've got going on there. Um, on that. Um, but there are lyrics of. Which I really enjoyed. It's yeah. just like you know that 
that confidence of saying like who I am I'm and I know and why do you find issue just because you don't know yourself yet mm. and, I and it's a super confident good. element isn't it yeah, yeah like definitely. they're just comfortable like here we are so my this friend is... Lyndall who also loves something Kate a lot with me always had like her favorite line and I won't drop it in but it's he carried the shopping bag and she carried them both yeah. So it's like he's doing the physical lifting, but she's carrying the emotional of being the couple together and working together and that sort of stuff, which is really cool. Absolutely. It's just very like Melbourne suburbanite tales, which we'll come back to again as more song further down the line as well. Grant, did you have any favorite songs? Well, I mean, obviously, Electricity got the double, the mm-hmm. double tick and we've moved on. Beautiful, beautiful Sharks again, single tick, great, great song too. Um, I liked... Um, and I go on to then having double back one to song five big screen TV and I'm like, isn't it like super that period of mm-hmm. you know like to have that big screen TV was just your like you've arrived yeah you know like <laughs> yeah. if I've got a big screen TV I'm okay and even you propose now nah, twenty years later it's like it's not you know forty two inch and back then it might have been smaller but um la it, for me it resonated around. That it's a live intro, like very mm-hmm. similar to Secret Samadhi. There's an, there's a song off there that I swear the intro was very very familiar nice. to. You. Um, but I've written here such a good guitar riff, yeah. Um, with about a minute thirty to go, mm-hmm. and just the the thoughts around he's articulated like this middle class aspiration of if I've got the big screen TV, hey, it doesn't matter mm. if I don't own my own home. Hey, look at me, I've arrived. So that certainly for mine was 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 good. I can so talk I, about other ones as well. I, I love big screen TV because it starts off super soft and super slow. Like as you come out of electricity and it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're rocking. It's power rock, and then it's like it's just that empty space again. It's like just mm-hmm. really soft and gentle mm-hmm. licks on the way through, and it's some songs that when they build up, you can even right from the start, you can tell, oh, this is going to be a song that's going to start soft, but it's really going to get there. But this one, it could have just stayed that slow speed mm. the whole time. It sounded like, oh, yeah, this is just going to be a slower song. And then through the course of the song, it, it slowly starts building up and building up. And then like you said, Grant, there's that the word salad in the middle of it and then just straight in that big kick-in riff as well. It's oh, really cool. Really cool. Such a good guitar riff with the button. Mm. That ramp up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's two guitar lines in that riff. There's like a high-pitched one and a yeah. low-pitched one and they drill. But they're the same thing. They don't play the same line like it would be very easy to do two riffs that play the same melody one high one low and see what happens but they're actually almost dueling mm. and there's other. a key change almost mm. like during are you dreaming there's like this like ramp up to a new key change and mm-hmm. then like everything goes over the drums really nicely into the outro then yeah, yeah that was a cool mm. cool song so because one thing that paul does quite a lot which you've talked about in past george is he doesn't always sing to the melody yeah. Straight up. Like no. he, he's very much. The, he is the so music. far from the melody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think, especially in the first album, almost to the point of distraction, like it can be almost disconcerting how different he is. But I think in, mm-hmm. by this one, he'd learn to integrate them Take a little bit better. Yeah. Blend it. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. But as he's definitely, as they like their, mo- their later albums, they definitely, he doesn't do that as much anymore. That was definitely, I think he saw it as a bit of a young person's thing to do and he was he was breaking the system and listened sure. because a lot of the Australian stuff that was coming out around this time still would have been a bit more down the line, vo- guitar and vocals lining yep. up together, whereas I think he sort of thought himself as a bit of a... He's almost having a conversation mm-hmm. and the guitar is a second thought. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was, it's more interesting to listen to. Yeah. 
But I think, yeah, he sort of saw himself as that, that outsider. So when we went and saw them for that 20th anniversary show, they had a little documentary at the start of it. Oh, cool. And they showed some footage of them playing or doing backstage interviews in their very early days. So this album and the album before it. And they were very much like too cool for school. Like, you know, interviews, we don't, you know, we're doing you a favor by sitting here and talking to you and that sort of stuff. And then they interviewed Paul talking about himself back then. And you could see the look in his face like, yeah, I was a bit of a dickhead. (laughs) I was was that youngster who thought he was going to change the world. And and I was going to write the defining American, defining album of the generation and that sort of thing. Whereas, yeah. Now he looks back at that and goes, yeah, I might have been a bit up myself. <laughs> Reflection, eh? Mm-hmm. Far enough. And what about um, slow dance? Yep. Love strangers slow dance. dance with strangers. Every familiar face just makes her lonely. I felt Lyric that. Buddies. Lyric Buddies. Oh. oh, man, I felt that so many times when I've been out and I'm just disassociating. So it was like a really lovely song to listen to. Well, um, the band comes in and like the vocals versus the band are having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Then it's not following the line. Like the vocals aren't no. just like going like I'm singing, I'm singing, band's playing, band's playing. It's like having this conversation between the two. So, um, and there are female harmonies. So whoever that is, yeah. <laughs> um, female harmony is in there um, and ramps up to those crashing drums mm. and then layers of guitar yeah. and big sounds, like big sounds in coming into the end, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so that was a really beautiful song to just, listen to. Just another one that could have just been a straight line, been more of a straight line, but they just had that thing to, on the end yeah. tap, you know, to ramp up into a thing, which mm-hmm. was really cool. They I do a the lot l- of ramping up, don't yes. they? Yes. I they love do. that line in there, um, settling someone else's argument and he doesn't even know how it started. <laughs> so it's like some guy jumping in and go, well, I'm actually here to tell you, which is just, yeah, I like the iconography and the, and the video. Breach. Yeah. And will be the talk of the town. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, so the uh, cool thing is what I was going to talk about earlier, uh, when I was doing my creative industries degree, it was like do an assignment on your favorite creative person. So I was able to do an assignment on something for Kate and Paul particularly. And Fuck then, off, yeah, as if you did. I did. <laughs> and like just his creative process, that that was the point of the assignment was to find out how. So you just read all the interviews and find yeah. out how he does it. And he has notebooks and he just fills them with like phrases and lines and stuff like that. So that, that sort of thing. But then when he gets to the end of the album, he burns them all. He gets he gets rid of all like if he doesn't if he didn't even if he didn't use anything. It's George. Yeah. <laughs> Every episode. So me, all my notes. So he'll write all, all this stuff. I don't know if it's still true because that was like ten years ago, fifteen years ago. But at the time, he's talked about yeah. He writes just fills notebooks with thoughts and um, he's very he reads a lot. He's got a lot of stuff in there about sort of um, psychoanalysis and intellectualizing and stuff like that. But he'll fill all the notebooks, write the songs throw all the notebooks away. And if you didn't use something, he's just like, no, I, if it wasn't good enough, could people then say to him, say to him oh, why don't you keep something in case you use it on a, on a future album? And he said, if it wasn't good enough for me to use it, the album, it's gone. Done. And I start again. Great mm. Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And um, can we talk about Anchorman? Yes. Sure. That, if I, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite songs. Because it has that sweet, twinkly guitar intro mm. before the best of the map band moving and it's like a lullaby and it's a really loving kind of song 
and it has this like minor interlude um is there a xylophone yeah Okay, good. Because mm-hmm. um, I wrote the iPhone question mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. uh, yeah. Um, and then it goes out of tune for the anchor man's voice. Mm. It's like deliberately like this dichotomy of where we've been, where everything's aligned, and suddenly it's like consciously out of tune and makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, and then it has really lovely lyrics. You can what you're thinking your anxiety is and everything that's happening right now mm. they're not real they're not real so carry on your life living and being and it was just a really nice sentiment yeah so this is one where this is one where it really reminds me of melbourne so i just see him at like some kind of function or a party he talks about a charity gathering and then seeing all these people that he doesn't know and doesn't really connect with <laughs> and then just heading home and just walking like the dark streets of melbourne and just hearing like Anchorman news voices and that sort yeah, of stuff coming sure. from different houses and like the big screen TVs and big blowing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And just almost using that as like a like a navigation. Like so where he says, um, like strong and distant moonlight, the Anchorman's voice guides me through the night, which I just love as like a repeating motif. So he's just yeah, it's drawing there it, it is. through. Each it's really cool. Dark house mm. on the way home. Yeah. And uh yeah, sorry, in the astronaut as well, um, there are the says ooze again love ooze um but um when he sings you're an astronaut you're amnesia you're a joke i really enjoyed the way like he inflected on all of that to make it really like punchy Mm -hmm. and like poignant and it was like a really nice way with that small ramp up with harmonies and it was pretty but slow and um i can imagine it being like a a hipster's wedding slow dance mm. like that would just be like the perfect slow dance for a hipster's wedding um which i but i really enjoyed it and it felt like the perfect final um single when they've gone we've done our punchy singles we've done mm-hmm. this thing other singles you've already bought the album so we're gonna put out the astronaut as our final single yeah. if you hadn't heard it by now by the way this is the breadth of what we do mm. and, and it mm. felt like a really smart move from a single perspective so the thing they used to do which sadly they don't do anymore because obviously you don't is they used to do b-sides yeah a lot like that every single one of these singles would have had probably two whole new songs on it and then like a live version of something or a remix or something like that so they've got um they put out a double album of all their b-sides and even that didn't cover everything and then when a few years back they put out special editions of all the albums and then a second, so on Spotify and on the discs, you'd have the disc of the album and a disc of all the B-sides that came from that album. And there would usually be as many tracks that were the B-sides as there were there songs were on songs the album because they just loved recording and putting yeah, lots of songs prolific out. Prolific so, Yeah, they were, And now they don't do it as much anymore, which is fair because they're all adults and they have 
their own things that they do. Sure. But yeah, I really miss their beats. Cause they, are they all Melbourne based? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're beats. So um, Paul and Stefan family occasionally spend time living in the US for chunks of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, yeah, they're Melbourne based and they do stuff like. So the other thing that I didn't talk about is now one of the things that happens is when Paul's writing the songs, he will then do some solo shows just to go, well, I've got, I'm going to play some songs, but I've also got, say, five new songs that I want to test out and see how the parts all fit together. So I'm just going to have some solo shows Mm -hmm. and play. So for this album that they put out last year, I saw them, I saw him play it and in Brisbane, but then he also did a run run of three nights down in Melbourne like a year earlier because it got affected by COVID and we went down and we saw, we only ended up seeing two of those because to do, do the third one would have needed more leave, but it was, yeah, it was really cool. Oh, that's right. The other thing that goes with that is that the supporting person on that night, those nights, was Nick Craft, who's the one of the other guys from Sidewinder. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. So and Paul Dempsey produced Nick Craft's solo album, I think. Cool. There is so much infestuous. Yes. Mm. In and the I just, there's no inbreeding in the Aussie music industry. I never saw yeah. Sidewinder, and I like I love seeing Nick Craft, but I just want to go up to him and go get your brother and everybody back together again. <laughs> but I think I saw someone comment on that once before, and they were like, "Yeah, that's probably not going to happen." So, mm. but yeah. It's really interesting to go and see them play, see him play the songs and then experience what they are afterwards, which is really cool. So, George, any f- more songs you'd want to talk to? Well, I really know? liked Easy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so the guitar effects on the intro and that slow drum beat was really nice. And the bass was really simple um, but effective. Um, and that was when it was coming in and out and in and out. So it was like playing for a bit and then like refraining, uh, which I thought was really nice. Um, but then there was some wailing guitar mm-hmm. in the bridge. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's just like a um, big ramp up into when he, like, sc- not screams, but, like, wails out easy mm-hmm. um, times four. Um, and rolling guitar into... St- then, then there's, like, silence for a few seconds. There's just, like, complete... Su- after the ramp up, complete silence... And then slow, dreamy guitar and some fun drums come in mm-hmm. for a bit, at, like for the last minute of the track. And yes. I really yeah, there's enjoyed like a big spacey that. thing before slow dance. Yeah, yeah. there's like, so I, when I listened, I was just like, what's happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what's happened? There was silence. Pretty what's cool happened? outro too is what I wrote down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, oh. yeah, it was a pretty cool outro. Mm-hmm. So um, cool. it worked out really well. So I really like that song. Easy. Is there anything we've not touched on, Liam? Um, we lost two, but I mean, yeah, I'm so happy I, to go. Yeah. I love, I love back to you. Yes. Um, yeah, just the way it ends. It's, it's not a love song until the last two lines of the song, and that's when you realise that it's actually been a love song the whole time. So where you talk, you see her um, talking about, I watch her making so much noise that she, she thinks she can win them over, like just watching someone Lyrics try buddies. to. Yeah, that was so cool. But I won't drop that one in because I will drop in at the very last line of the song. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not a love song until just this perfect ending of like this love song at the end, which is really cool. I love it. The other thing I will say about song things, the other thing I found out when I was doing my essay, Paul's thing is whatever the song is about for you, that's what it's about. 
So he, so he, so some of the songs you can tell what they're about, and mm-hmm. some songs you're like, oh, I wonder what that's about. But he says, whatever thing you come up with in your head that you think, I that's think it. the song's about this, he's like, that's fine. Good man. I, I put it out there, whatever definition you want to get out of it and whatever value you get out of it, that's completely fine by me. That is really art. Love. That yeah. is true art. Mm-hmm. It's your, how you interpret really it, cool. it's art. Um, so we go for final pitch. One last thing I wanted to talk about sure. uh, is the baseline. Why can I not find it? Because is it it's on that this you page. love them? It is no. that I love them. I'm going to talk is about why I love them even more in a second. Um, oh, beautiful! So beautiful. Sharks, the song, mm. yeah. opens with that bass line from Steph. Just that well, throbbing bass really line. Really fun, it's isn't like, it? Oh, I love it so much. And then it comes back at the end, and it's just yeah. I think it really holds this, the whole song together really well. And it has really lovely lyrics. And I was there, and somebody. Talking about romance And I thought, I thought What if my luck ran out And then there's O-O-O's So Beautiful Sharks wasn't in a single But it got to 59 in the hottest 100 of 2000 so on radio play alone, and everyone—that's a big favorite. Everyone seems to love. Cool. Mm. Do we have any any other comments that? Not for um, long. I think I've got everything. Yeah, it's been a great episode. Cool. I'm glad everybody's enjoyed it. I've never seen Liam so animated. And that's saying something. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got pretty excited about Titus Andronicus as well, but I've tried. To, I've tried to. Oh, the last song, the photograph, yep. was uh, on the Dawson Street soundtrack. <laughs> they use they use it in a, in a bit so um, and it has an organ yes yeah so it's really cool they're really good at their last songs just like even if this even if the whole album's been up like crunchier their last song they'll they're happy to just say, sort of suck the air out of it a little bit and just have that really calm and pensive one at the end they're really good at final songs so mm-hmm. that one's a really good one final pitch yeah go, sir. go liam well come on liam I, this, you've been waiting three years. I don't three have a lot. I didn't years. write down a final pitch this time because I don't have a lot else to say. It's amazing guitar work. Shocked faces. Amazing everywhere. drum work. Amazing bass work all the way through. The song construction, I think, is nigh perfect. Like just like you said, George, finding those parts to put stuff in but then not being afraid to let it do it themselves. The band still love it. They play heaps of songs from it when they're playing live. Cool. The everyone's, Everyone still loves this album as much as I think Echo Lalia and all the other ones that they've put out as well. So... I just think to like you said, it's no. There's no second album nerds. They don't try to repeat what they did. They take what they did and turn it into something really special as a, as a second thing as well. I think the first half is really hook heavy and got has got all the big singles, but then the second half is like really interesting and where they try to do a lot more in um, different sort of different sort of styles and try and play around with their styles and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think it's perfect and track to track. I definitely wouldn't say there's any track that lets it down. Um, and I think it's flawless. So, who's going to break my heart first? Grunt. What an opportunity to break your heart. <laughs> <laughs> After all the times uh, yeah, that he's done it to you. Like, I haven't had my heart... Um... Oh, sorry. So, this is, one thing I will, this is one thing I will quickly say, <laughs> A though. A preface. Something for Kate of the band... I care the least about what other people think about them. Sure. So there are bands that I brought here to you guys and you've turned them down and I've been like, man, I really wish you'd given it to me and I really, because I love them that much. These guys, it's beyond... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And I've had people... <laughs> you still think I'm wrong. I've had people tell me, 
they hate something for Kate for certain reasons. And I'm like, that's fine. Don't I, like it just Doesn't bounces off. Sure. And it's hard for me to have like, it's weird for me to have conversations with people who don't like something for Kate. Like I just find that mindset. Like I, other bands that I like, I'm going, oh yeah, I, I get why you don't like them. But these guys, I'm just like, I don't understand how people couldn't sure. like them. So don't feel any pressure because at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm still going to love them just as much. And I'm glad that I was able to bring them to you guys. And hopefully some other people who are listening right now will check them out. Hey, well, thank you for the preface. Yes. Um, so I never heard of them before. Beautiful Sharks, 1999. Had your wife heard of them? Good question. Okay. Uh, yes, she had. And she actually might have been at that same concert, to right. be honest. Nice. Um, certainly, and from Melbourne, mm-hmm. certainly heard of something for Kate. Maybe not the man crush you have. Irrelevant. Um, it's difficult to say no. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to cross. Um, so a lot of familiarity around it. Foo Fighters intro in the opening thing. I've got written down here. Some some Foo Fighters intros, even some live intros. Gavin Rossdale, Ed Kowalczyk. So that's Bush and live for the people who don't necessarily listen to Straighty 180, I'm Triple M, I'm Ref. Mm-hmm. Um, have I got a problem with this being, and you've got, I suppose, Before Butterfly Wings, which talks to one of my favorite albums, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, The Smashing Pumpkins, which came out a few years before with Bullet and Butterfly Wings. Um, you got it, but I'll give you a thumbs up. Nice. <laughs> I'll say flawless. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Um, I enjoyed it start to finish. I like the familiarity. Mm. Um, is it a problem? No. Um, I can appreciate that I haven't listened to other albums. I, I, so I don't know the angst around the decision-making process. Mm. But this is a cool album and it's super contextual and super 1999 or that late 90s, early 2000s. Thank you. Um, great album. Easily listening to again. So thank you. I appreciate it. No worries. Cheers. Done. Sorted. (laughs) Done. Sorted. Done. Final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Final thoughts. Okay. So um, when I first listened to it, I was genuinely surprised that this was your favorite band. Okay. Like it was. Oh, right. It was like a shock to me that it was like this. I'm intrigued. Grungy kind of sound um, and uh, some ramp ups and stuff because. To, to me, like it didn't fit with the limb that I know. Yeah, so, sure. like, it was like, oh, this is a bit of a surprise because I've been avoiding them all this time. So, sorry about that. Something for Kate, I've been avoiding you. Um, like an awkward ex boyfriend. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I put it on, there was, as Grant said, the familiarity of bands like Silverchair, Powderfinger, etc., um, which is why I picked sure. them and just went, you are a Melbourne punk grungy band and that's awesome the instruments are awesome the um songs are beautiful um lyrically i didn't always understand it they always it like sure i i sometimes i listen to it and go i've listened to an entire song five times read the lyrics and i've got no concept <laughs> of what the fuck he's going on about yep. but that's not stopped me before <laughs> so uh yeah so what we powered through all that lot and that was awesome um but the problem i had and i'm sorry about this is that i really didn't like photograph with the organ at the end because i wanted to rearrange the final of well there's two i wanted to swap anchorman and back to you i wanted back to you to be that big military drumming fun 
big song. Um, and then I wanted to finish on Anchorman with that sweet twinkly guitar. And then I didn't want photograph. Um, but there was one thing that bugged me every time I've listened to this album. And I've written it on all of my notes. Is that in every single song, they have a 10 second fade out. Okay. On every song. And I'm like, there are so many big, punchy, awesome, really fun songs that just needed to fucking end. Mm -hmm. They just needed that final guitar strum or the final, you know, hi-hat hit or something like that. And they didn't. And so I was listening and I'm like waiting. And up to, in one of them, I um, waited up to 18 seconds for in the astronaut, there was an 18 second fade out. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? You have just created one of the most beautiful songs ever. And now you're waiting for me to click forward to go to the next song to, so I can listen to Easy because I know I love Easy. And so um, I think whoever was doing the mixing or mastering, the mastering just needed to say these songs, need some of them just needed to end have a finish and move straight on to the next one and so it frustrated me when more and more as i was listening um so i started to write the amount of seconds of each <laughs> fade out um, i was just like 11 seconds here 12 oh, seconds dear. there nine seconds there and um, because they didn't need it because they would have really big beautiful songs that just needed to go boom and done um so yeah photograph i didn't enjoy i didn't think they needed it um because it was slow but then it ramped up um but then i had a slow fade out so i would love them to swap back to you and anchorman and finish on anchorman and that would have made it a flawless album for me cool. so i'm sorry that i didn't get over the That's line okay. for you. but i'm really fucking glad i finally listened Listen to, to, <laughs> to sure. something for kate so you now have six other albums two solo albums the b-sides out double album and their cut co and his covers album to listen to which i will try my Daisy. hardest to get through because <laughs> like yeah, I think they are accomplished and awesome. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there was just certain things about this particular album that I figured could just be snipped out. All good. Not a problem. But Thank my opinion for... doesn't fucking matter anyway. <laughs> Not to me, but to the podcast and to everybody listening in general. Thank you very much, both of you, for listening. That's all good. Uh, we want to thank everybody. Sorry. Thank you for bringing your opinions. We want to thank everybody else for listening. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Flawless AMP on all of those, so check us out. We have the Facebook group, and, of course, we have the Patreon as well, so you can check us out there. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>